Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Donna Ferris on with us. She is the author of You've Got to Stop Meeting Like This and a speaker on navigating change, grief, second chance love, writing, and the meaning of success after COVID. So welcome to the show today, Donna. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Andrea. It's, it's a real pleasure. Thanks. Yeah. So I would love to kind of dive in with, um, you know, just kind of diving into your theme and what you've kind of written your book about. And I would love to know kind of you personally, how have you become more resilient um, after these last few years? How has that shown up in your life? Uh, thank you. Uh, I, I think that uh, the book that I wrote was about three years of my life where I had to develop resiliency tools. And we can go back to that in a minute. But then going through COVID, and then, uh, you know, kind of the post-COVID transition has been rocky for a lot of us too. And then I've had some other personal stuff that has come up with my kids, um, which I won't talk about because it's their journey. But I think, you know, once you learn the tools, um, you know, and burn yourself kind of through those terms, like the burning karma idea, if you've ever heard of that, um, then, you know, they always come back. They're always there for you. Um, it's just that we have to be aware that we're going through something and then, you know, to kind of plug into those that that those tools that you know. So, so the, yeah, I think the COVID experience. I think I was well prepared for it. Um, doesn't mean that I, you know, didn't have my bumps and didn't, you know, <laughs> fall apart at times like we all did. But I, I, I was able to lean back into the the, the things that I that work for me uh, and that that I share with with uh, my readers and um, those I work with. And then you also teach yoga and lead retreats. Um, and workshops, right? That's also in your background. Yeah, I think one of the greatest things that came out of the book for me is this workshop effort that I've been doing around the themes in the book, uh, which are resiliency. We've done things on self-care, on navigating change, um, and then also a lot of writing workshops too, because there's a lot of people that are writing their way through COVID or the post-COVID times. And because uh, there was a lot of grief and loss in that time, and a lot of soul searching, um, which I'd like to say, I like to kind of say that we were kind of all sent home to a timeout without any tools to really manage that. And, um, and they're showing up. This is showing up in a lot of different places. And since I've already kind of gone through a journey, a mental health journey, a loss, grief journey, um, betrayal journey, it, it was helpful to kind of have the, be able to share those tools with people as they were going through it. Um, and, you know, I don't have all the answers. I can just tell you what worked for me. And that's kind of how I frame it. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I'm seeing that now with a lot of my clients and, you know, I was just talking to a friend of mine who's a transitional coach and kind of helps people transition from one career to the next, or what, what do they want to do? And, um, you know, I kind of asked her, I'm like, are you seeing an influx of women in particular who are just feeling fried and burnt out? And it's mostly, you know, during the pandemic, we might've felt it, but then now coming out of it, they're like, I'm completely just drained. Um, you know, what would be some tools that you have for people who might be feeling it, who have, you know, a nine to five job, who have kids, who have responsibilities and made, they are now realizing like, oh, my partner's not pulling their end of the weight. And they're just feeling like they're really dumped on right now. And it's hard to practice self-care when there's not a lot of time for it. Yeah. And I think, I think it's important um, to recognize. So that's great that you're recognizing it. Um, and a lot of depression comes from actuality. I think a lot of times we like to say, oh, you're depressed. You should just snap out of it. But a lot of times we're depressed for real reasons. We're overwhelmed. People are asking too much of us. We don't have anybody to back us up. And the 
there's a recognition that has to happen that we're the only ones that can save ourselves. Like, I think that there's a, there's a lot of, I won't bash fairy tales, um, but there's a lot of fairy tales out there about somebody saving us Mm -hmm. and we can save ourselves. So I think there's a certain amount of strength and confidence that we have to build. Um, And self-care is a start. And I, and I know it isn't easy, um, but you can do it. You can build those little times. And if you look, a lot of times when I have people, and I'm probably, you probably do the same things. When people come to me and say, I don't have time for self-care, I say, well, let's look at your day. And, and no judgment, but how much time are you spending on all these different things in your day? And usually there's time. Usually there's an hour, it may be over the course of a day, you know, 15 minutes at a time or whatever, or, you know, I mean, many people who write books, write them at soccer games on their phone. You know, many people, I mean, I used to lift weights in uh, my bedroom while my kid was in one of those little bouncy seats, which were a godsend. And the other one was getting ready for school. Like I would, I would be, you know, I mean, so I think there's, there's ways to fit it in. You just have to make yourself the priority. And we're just not necessarily, um, I think we're, I don't, I was going to say wired, but I don't think wired is the right word. I don't think we're encouraged to necessarily do that as women um, and men too, but women in particular. And I think that, that we have to stand up for ourselves and not expect somebody else to save us. And, and that's hard. And, and I'm not saying that I don't struggle with that daily and I don't have my boundary issues and all kinds of things. I'm just saying that if, if I had, a, had somebody in front of me, I'd say you're more important than you're giving yourself credit for. Mm. Yeah, I think that's an important lesson. The you know, I've been seeing that kind of arise as a theme of like we think that someone's going to come in and fix all of these problems when no one's coming and fixing anything. You know, and I think that's one of the reasons I really like Ayurveda and why I really gravitated towards that. My own personal studies is because it is is teaching you how to be your own healer and you know how to work on yourself and to notice when these themes arise. So I think that's kind of a theme too of just like okay, how can I develop these tools? Um, and so for myself, you know, a lot of it was Ayurveda and yoga, you know, how did you kind of develop these tools or did you go through programs and study these? Is this stuff you learned in school or where'd you pick up some of these tools? Yeah. I mean, and I went in kicking and screaming too, thinking they all were ridiculous. Um, you know, I, I, I fell into yoga, um, and I talk about this in, uh, my story. I knew something was wrong with my life. I knew I had the, tr- I had what everybody wanted, you know, quote unquote, you know, the, what looked to be a good marriage, what looked to be a steady job. You know, we had the, the things, we had all the things that kind of people wanted, but I was incredibly unhappy. And, and I was very connected to my oldest daughter who was about to go to college. So I felt I was in this kind of marriage um, that I was unhappy with. Um, and, you know, I felt that um, I needed to find a way out of it. And so I had started to do yoga classes. I had always done meditation for anxiety that I've had forever. I started to do yoga classes. I went to this yoga retreat at Kripalu, um, which I'm actually teaching a a workshop there now, which is like a complete full circle moment. But, um, and I, I, they were, the place was just so foreign to me. Um, You know, the way they were doing yoga wasn't the kind of yoga I was doing on my DVDs. You know, I didn't understand it. Um, the food, everything, like you're saying, the food was different. The way they thought about their bodies was different. Um, there was just a reverence to nature and ourselves and how we consume and all of those things. That was just like a complete culture shock. And I resisted it at first, you know, I, and then I, you know, the first couple of days was a complete resistance. And then 
something softened me. And I, you know, I talk, I talk a little bit more about that in the story, but there's, there were some of things that happened there that really softened me where I found a space that people were actually listening to me without telling me what to do. They, and I think that's an important thing, right? As we work with people is that we give them the confidence to fix their own things, to have their own journey. Like a lot of times we want to come in and tell them what to do and that makes them feel like they can't do it. And, and I got that experience where in a sharing circle, they just let me say my piece and then breathe it in and out. And then it gave me the moment to say, wait a minute, that actually is true. And now on what am I going to do with it? Um, and what's interesting, what happened is, you know, the next session I had um, was a session called No Excuses. It was about a book by the same name. And they asked me, what would you do if you had no excuses? And the thing that popped into my head, thanks to the universe, which I did not believe in then, uh, was I want to be a yoga teacher. And that started the path. So I had no idea what I was getting into. And then within six months of doing that, um, I started, I also signed up for yoga, yoga therapy training. So I went from no yoga really uh, on the periphery, uh, maybe to a thousand hours of yoga in three years, all while my life fell apart. And, and that's, that was, you know, the kind of the boot camp to develop these resilience tools because I didn't have any choice. I lost three major things in my life in those three years that I did the therapy training. So I couldn't resist it and I was learning not to resist it. And so, uh, you know, and that's where the book came from and that's where the, where the whole, the whole workshops and everything come from. Wow. I mean, that's a powerful, powerful experience. And I'm sure that you are grateful that you had those tools, you know, for stuff going down in the background. <laughs> Yeah. And the people too. I mean, I think that although you can't lean on them, they at least, and a lot, and a lot of times I would resist them too, you know, because I, you know, I still would call things woo woo and I, you know, you guys don't understand it. There's a lot of, the hardest thing I think when you go through a lot of difficulty is not getting stuck in the wallow phase. And I'm, I love to wallow. I will sit there for as long as you let me, but at some point you, you have to get kicked out. And you have to kind of stand up and, and accept what's happening to you and know that it may never be perfect again. I mean, you know, things may never be as good as they were before, but they're going to be different and you're going to learn from that. And that's just the path. I mean, I think, again, the fairy tales, you know, the things we see on TV and social media. And again, I love social media, so don't, don't get me wrong. But, um, but a lot of it, we, we put these appearances up that, that seem to look like we have it all together. but um, we know deep down that we don't. And it is important to recognize that everything is as, as it is today is the way it's supposed to be. And, and the quicker that we can accept it, the quicker we can move on to healing or whatever else we need to do on our, on our life's path. So, but it's all hard. It's not, it's not, again, that's not something that just comes to mind. That's, that's a result of a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of being kicked around and, um, and accepting a lot of what's happened to me. Can you talk about circle? And I, I lead monthly um, called wild woman circles around the new moon. And that's something that it. we do in our circles is like, we have two roles, whatever happens in circle stays in circle. You can share your experience, but not another person. And then yeah. there's no coaching. We just witness, yeah. don't coach. And so I went to a circle like that for my first time before I ran these. And I was like 
this? What is this? Like people are crying and you know, you have to get your own tissues. Like we're not supposed to get tissues for each other. You're, you're in charge of no. your, your own needs. And like, you know, you're not, you're supposed to be witnessed by others, which people did. But if people haven't experienced that, can you share kind of what, what the power is and how maybe that helped kind of push you down a path of healing of just being witnessed by others and not needing the, the coaching. Cause I think a lot of the times I know myself as a coach and as, as a female, I like to get in there. Let's, let's coach you through things, but you're like, that's not always what we need. We don't always need that. No. I mean, I think I, I love that. I, um, and I have to come to one uh, for sure. <laughs> I think the power is for, at least for me, I was, it was a place where I didn't know anybody and I had a secret that was gnawing at me, which I think a lot of us do. We have this thing where like, if you really knew what was going on with me, you would feel really bad for me. Cause I have, I'm, you know, it's that victim mentality that I had. I had a huge victim mentality and it allowed me, it gave me the, um, the belief that I could, I could, take things for so long, but then I would blow up and blow, and I would blow up my life, right? Because I was had this terrible secret. So I was able to share that secret. It, it gave me the permission to say it out loud. So I actually had to deal with it. So I think before then it was kind of like I had the secret, but I didn't have to, I, you know, I know what to do about it. So I didn't have to deal with it. But once you kind of say it in that room and nobody comments or tries to fix you or says, oh, oh you poor thing, they all just go, yeah, that happened. You know, because in my life, no one had said it was true, even though they all knew. Like I wrote a book about it. No one disagreed with anything I wrote after the, I wrote the book, which is amazing. But in that whole time, no one was saying anything to me or helping me or bailing me out. So it was really important to say it because it allowed me to start to heal. And I think the yoga then coming, you know, later then I was able to say, okay, wait, maybe yoga teacher training might be a way for me to understand because this seems like a good place for me and a place that I might be able to heal. So it's, it's getting that space, I think. And, and it gives you, I, I was um, talking to a therapist just recently about um, somebody very close to me. And she said, Donna, all we really want is to be heard. Hmm. Nothing else. We all just want to have people validate our feelings about things. You don't have to fix them for them or, you know, give solutions or whatever. They just want their feelings to be validated. I was so powerful to me. And I've been using that more and more. And I, it's really true. It's really, really true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, uh, what you said about the secrets is like, oh yeah, that is, that is something that I have, I have seen. And that's, where people can lay it all out in the line. I often encourage people to come. When I, when I have people come to circle, they're like, should I bring someone? And I say, a lot of the times people have the most powerful transformation when they're there with no one that they know. And that's why, you know, because we have, we were asking, cause we're like, we have something we want to share, but often when they come with a friend, they don't go quite as deep as they would if, you know, that said friend wasn't there. So I, I've definitely seen that transformation from people too, of just being able to drop in no judgment. None of these people know me. I can be me. I can be fully me. And it's, it's freeing. It is. And it allows you to, I think, um, take next steps, right? More than you can even do in therapy. Cause I mean, I've been in therapy for a very long time and I had, I had, um, outed this in therapy and my husband at the time knew about it. Even my daughter 
my oldest daughter actually knew about it. But I think that, but that was it. That was the circle of trust. That was it. And I think being able to uh, share it in the circle, and then eventually I shared it via some articles, and I, I kept sharing it, um, and it allowed me to heal because it, I got accepted as as who I was. It was child abuse, just so I, you know. And and, and I, I think that's a, true of a lot of people that go through that as children. You know, when your nurturing parent or one of your nurturing parents turns out to be um, uh, abusive, um, it can be very difficult formatively for you. And it can carry into so many things. I mean, uh, the majority of, I believe the stat is, the majority of alcoholics are, uh, have abused and been abused in the childhood. It's, it, it's a large percentage, maybe not the majority, but a large percentage. So there's a lot of like abuse. There's a lot of um, uh, numbing that goes on in response to that formative abuse. So it's really important to talk about it, but we don't, you know, especially when it's maternal, we don't talk about it at all. Um, so anyway, it was real important to me to kind of have that moment where it just started. If you look, you know, year after year after year from that moment, um, the, I was communicating it more and I was sharing my journey more and I was getting more people to come in and follow me and, um, feel not alone themselves. I think that that's a big win. Um, and it's an outgrowth of, of just that one circle, which is, is kind of amazing. So thank you for doing that for, for your community. Thank you for sharing your story uh, with us today here too. And um, I know, I think I read this on your website about your mantra and you had said it, we must become more than what happens to us. So can you expand yes. a little bit on that? And is that kind of what you're just chatting about, um, you know, just prior to this, is that kind of the same philosophy as, you know, moving past some of that, or how do you kind of see that? Yeah, I, I do. I think that, um, and this was something that came out of a uh, America's Got Talent um, uh, winner, um, and I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but I heard her talk about her cancer journey. She she um, had stage four cancer and was on America's Got Talent. Somebody will know Nightbird. I think it's Nightbird. Um, but um, and I heard her say it, and it just was so helpful. Um, and because people will look at you as you've gone through a lot of things that's happened to me. They'll go, Oh my God, I can't believe you went through so many things. And sometimes you can almost be toxic to them because they're afraid, especially when you get first get divorced, everybody, nobody wants to have anything to do with you because they're afraid it's going to happen to them. It's going to rub off. There's like a divorce um, virus or something. And, and the reality is that there's not. And, but I think it's important to know that, um, you know, there's these social things that come on to you when you've gone through a lot of things. There's a social thing that happens with grief that you need to be acting a certain way or being a certain way. And you can hold in grief or in betrayal or whatever, you can hold both anger, fear, upset, and happiness at the same time. We don't have to just be one thing. Um, and it's important for us to realize that we're going to have you know, the, the Buddhist idea, you know, life is suffering. These are things that are going to happen to us. Um, if we're lucky enough, we'll probably experience a full range of difficulty and we'll get the opportunity to grow from all of it. Um, we just can't get stuck in it. And I think that's, you know, you can stay stuck for a little bit. I mean, absolutely. There's, there's a definitely a, a, a healing process that needs to happen, but we need to recognize that we are going to, we can evolve and thrive 
And it's important to not get stuck in the things that happen to us because we can, and you see people do it all the time. There's characters all over fiction about people that get stuck in it. And they're the ones that, that go off and, 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 you know, no judgment, but, but get stuck. And, um, you know, again, they wait for somebody to save them. They wait for something to happen that's going to make it better. But the only thing that's going to make it better is you and deciding that each day you're going to do something for yourself, even if it's as small as spending five minutes on meditation in the morning, which is something I, I really recommend, you know, making a time for you in the morning to do whatever it is you want to do. Like for me, it's, you know, it's meditation, a cup of coffee. I read a bunch of little things. Um, I take about a half an hour of it and I do a little bit of writing, not a lot, just enough. And then I usually go take a walk and the walk is where a lot of the creative stuff happens, but that's a commitment to me that I made regardless of what ever is happening in my life. Um, and it's been, it's my, it's my biggest form of self-care. Everything else falls apart. That thing is going to happen, you know, and, I, and there are days like that. I mean, there's days where, you know, and I can tell you that as you age, the, um, impediments will get more frequent. Um, your health will take a, a toll. Like there's a lot of things that will happen. So it's important to get the tools set now um, and take care of yourself now because uh, it, it'll just give you a foundation for the future. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that's not a negative thing, right? I wouldn't, you know, people say to me all the time, um, I, I hate getting old. And I'm like, well, my fiance died. Um, we were the exact same age. Each year that I go get a year older, I go, thank you for another year. No matter what's happening to me, I'm like thankful because he's no longer here. I miss him terribly and I'm remarried. So, and I love my new husband, just don't get me wrong. I adore him. But I mean, every year I look at it and go, you know, here it is another year. Thank you. Whatever happened in that year, I got another year. And I, and I always say when people say that, you know, um, it's hard to get old. I says much better than the alternative. And I believe that you know, we're, we, it's a gift life is, um, every day is a gift. Yes. Yes. I totally agree with that. And I work with many, I have a group that's, well, their youngest, I think is 68. My oldest is oh, wonderful. So I work with a large range there and they are, I mean, go-getters. And a lot of it is that, that habit. And they, I've kind of asked them, I'll, I always am like, you know, teach me like, cause you guys have so much wisdom to offer. And I'm like, when did you start? And some of them, you know, it was, it's a fitness class and a yoga class. And so some of them like moving until I was, you know, 65 and I was just consistent for the last 30 years, you know? And so sometimes people think, oh, it's too late to start. We're like, no, it's, it's never too late to start, you know, like just starting where you're at and knowing that you can grow and go from there, you know? And I'm sure, I mean, the 96 year old, like my grandma's 96 right now. And she does not as fun in her body right now as it was, you know, even a couple of years ago, she will say it's gotten harder for her, but she is so grateful that she's here. You know, she was like, I can, I get to watch my great grandchildren grow up. Like how amazing is this? You know? So that's, exactly. that's kind of the special things of like still appreciating what you have and what you can do. So I think that's important. Exactly. Well, gratitude is the huge thing, right? I think that, that, you know, and some people, I'm sure there's at least three people on this that listening to the podcast, their eyes just rolled. But I mean, I think it is one of the best things you can do. I mean, I think is, I, I actually keep a jar. Um, it's, it's, it's an empty jar of bath salts um, that my fiance um, gave me. And I, um, each week I put in a 
sticky note with one thing I'm grateful for from the week. And sometimes it's not easy. I mean, you know, I can be grateful for little things, but it's hard to find something that's worthy of the jar every week. Sometimes it's, you know, it's incredibly difficult, but I work on it. And I think that's a really important thing to do. Like, I can't, I, you know, because that gets you out of your head because you can sit there and go, oh, poor pitiful me. There is nothing that's good in my life. And then I'm sitting here, I'm in a completely safe house. You know, nobody's shooting outside. You know, so, you, so then you start to like take a, you know, you know, kick yourself. I kick myself and say, okay, Donna, come over, get over yourself. So it's really important to kind of have those practices where you do look at your life and say, I am grateful um, because you're going to need that practice. Like when, when it gets really tough, when you actually have somebody dying in front of you or a kid that um, you can't reach or, uh, you know, whatever it is. Um, and, and there's much bigger, I mean, I, there's, there's things beyond my imagination the, you know, remembering to be grateful for something that day will save you. Um, it really will. Mm. Yes. Well, I want to know a little bit more about your book. You know, we've got to stop meeting like this and who you wrote it for and who might um, enjoy picking it up. Oh, thank you for asking. Um, I wrote the book to get myself out of this time. So I originally intended to write a mystery and I still have it. I'm still working on it. Um, about a time where I lost my memory. Um, so it's what it's based on. But this book, um, I thought I would write this easy blog book about, you know, taking 12 months of yoga teacher training while I was getting divorced. And it had a happy ending because I had this wonderful guy and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it was very chiclet oriented, if you remember that term. And it, it just was kind of funny, Nora Ephron kind of thing. And then, of course, everything fell apart at the, <laughs> at the end of the 12 months. So, so it, I wrote that second half of the book, um, really to get through that time. So it's really written in real time grief. Um, and, and it's really meant for women, I think, although that men have read it, but really meant for women uh, going through transition, whatever it is. So I hit, you know, mother daughter themes, I hit grief themes, divorce, long term marriage, uh, children, you know, managing children, uh, and dogs, uh, lots of dogs. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's really to help if you want to kind of look at tools and find tools to get through those times, but also get a good story because people love reading it. Um, I, I'm not, I hope I'm not being, you know, too, um, or lack of uh, whatever in saying that, but people have really enjoyed reading it. it you know, we worked hard to make it a readable story because we had a choice, you know, when I worked with my coach in writing this, whether to make it uh, a, you know, a, a self-help book, which I'm actually writing now, or, uh, or a fictional story. And I, I wanted to write the story because uh, I always wanted to write a mystery. So I wanted to write the story. So it ends up being a memoir. It's a love story, second chance love story. And, but it has all the tools in it. And then the workshops in the, in the next book, um, the nonfiction self-help will have all the tools in it. But it's really for people to kind of work their way through these, these tough, difficult subjects, but also have a happy ending at the end. Uh, which continues to be happy, which I'm grateful for. <laughs> um, but, you know, not without, not without stuff. Like I've, you know, I've got another big challenge that I, again, I won't go through right now, but, um, and all these tools are still working. Like I leaned back into them. I wallowed a little bit and then got angry a little bit. And then I went right back into the tools um, and they have saved me again and continue to save me daily. Um, so I, it never ends really. And the book's really for, for that is to give you the, you know, the story, but also to let you know that you have the resilience and you have the ability to, to handle whatever life throws at you. Um, you really do. 
So if you have, uh, have you always been a writer since you have more books in the works? Is that something that's always <laughs> pulled at your heartstrings? I have. And my ex-husband did not want me to write. Like he didn't like me writing about him. So, and so what would happen is, you know, fiction is really based on things you see and happen to you. Typically you might pull a storyline from the news, but your characters have pieces of you in them and he just didn't care for it. Um, so I, I had took a, I mean, there was a big hi- hiatus of not writing. So I think the, <laughs> and then, you know, once we got you know, divorce, I was suddenly like, oh, I can write whatever the heck I want now. Um, and so, you know, there's been a, I, I have a real pent up need to, to write more. So I think that's, that's part of it. And I think also, you know, the tools that I've learned through yoga and yoga therapy and all that we've talked about setting the boundaries, which I'm still working on, but it gave me to realize that, you know, this is the thing I want to do, like finding those things that we, that make us forget about time as Brene Brown calls it. Um, are really important to our overall happiness and self-love and and our ability to be able to do other things. I mean, as you know, as a coach, if we have those things and we're doing those things for ourselves, we have more energy to give to others. We have more energy to give to our job, our children, our spouse, you know, the world, if we are taking care of the things that really matter to us. If we're not, then we don't have anything. We're miser Grinches, can't do it. And, you know, we all have those days, but if you're having that day, where you're like miser and everything anybody asks of you is making you have an, a nasty internal dialogue. A, I've been there. B, get thee to whatever it is you love, right? And do that, right? So whatever it is that makes you smile and make you makes you forget about time, get there quick. Because that's, because the continual miserly behavior will only isolate you and hurt you long-term. Um, so, you know. Yeah. Free of the inner Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also know that you have events coming up. You said you are going to be at Kapalu. Um, what events do you have coming up? I know when this airs, it might be past some of those events, but uh, just think so. What you offer. Yeah. I, I, if you come to my site and you can find me by Donna Ferris, like Ferris says in the Bueller Ferris. Um, yoga, you'll find me. It's minichangeyoga.com. And I'm, I tend to do workshops around managing change with grace. Um, I'll do, I'll be doing a couple, um, probably post this on managing grief and loss of the holidays, which is a, a great one. Um, and I do a lot of writing workshops. So like an overview of writing, like if you really want to write, um, this is like an hour prep, you know, pep talk on how to do it. If you want to, you know, write for yourself or just write, um, for magazines, or if you want to write a book, it's, you know, I give an hour on that. And that's something that you can get off my site. Um, and then I write, I do workshops on like dialogue and scene writing and um, how to put your your story together. So things like that, just to try to help people because a lot of people want to tell their story, especially after COVID. Um, A lot of things happened. A lot of, it opened a lot of, you know, broke open a lot of people. And um, and so there's a lot of, uh, you know, I highly encourage that because it's really healing uh, to do so. And you may help somebody else. So those are the workshops I'm doing right now. I love it. Well, is your website is kind of the best place to connect with. Um, do you have any social media that you like to hang out on? I do. I have, um, the Instagram is at down dog diva. Um, you know, because I'm, I'm a little bit of, you know, yoga person. I'm a little bit of diva, you know, it's, it <laughs> couldn't quite, uh, I can't quite be completely yoga. Um, and then on, on Facebook, it's Donna Yates Ferris. I am, I'm also Donnie Yates Ferris on uh, TikTok. I'm just kind of stepping my toe there. 
So uh, those are my place. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) for authors, it's the place you're supposed to go. So I'm starting to work a little bit, but I'm, yeah, I'm, it's slower. You have to really, you have to really uh, post a lot. And I, I still work full time, so I can't really do that yet. (laughs) It's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, it is a lot. It is a lot. I think what you're doing is a lot. Podcasting is a lot too, so this is my, well, actually when this airs, it'll be the seventh year of my podcast. So it's amazing. Seven years, which is, I had no idea when I started it. It was, it was reading blog posts back seven years ago. It's what people did because nobody really knew what a podcast was yet. And then it kind of got traction. So I am, I I love what you're doing. I enjoy, I enjoy this content, um, you know, stay connected with people and, uh, I love the audio version. So yeah, I'm a big big podcast. Oh yeah. I mean, it's something I've thought about. Uh, it's a, uh, it's figuring out the timing for it, but yeah, but I love what you're doing with the Ayurveda. It, I've been listening to them. It's, it's great. It's really helpful. Thank you. Well, I just yeah. have one final question for you. I always like to end with a weekly challenge to the listeners. And when I have a guest on, I have you throw out a challenge to everyone. So what would you like that challenge to be? Yeah, I, I think I would say that this is something I've put back into my life. I, I mentioned, I meditate in the morning, but I, as a result of, of another podcaster um, telling me what to do, <laughs> um, uh, suggested I do meditation at night and before you go to bed, which resets you uh, for the next day. Because a lot of times we fill our head as we go to bed with you know things on our phones or you know some sort of TV that might be violent or whatever, um, and and ending with a meditation for one thing it helps you sleep tremendously, but it also you know, takes away some of the panic that can happen in the morning um, as we wake up. So uh, it's been uh, really, I want, I don't want to say life-changing because that's a little dramatic, but it's been pretty close to that. And, and just, you know, again, as I'm going through this difficult time that I've mentioned, just resetting my end of day. Uh, and and the, the, the one I've been listening to recently is, is it's an affirmation off of insight. And the last thing she says is everything will be all right. Mm. To hear that before I go to bed every night, it was, you know, it just resonates in my brain all night. And it's really, really helpful. Um, you know, because I think when you're in the deep dark, it's hard to say, it's hard to even imagine that everything's going to be all right. But when somebody says it to you and it just sits in your brain, it's really been helpful. So highly recommend the meditation before bed, uh, however you want to do it, but, um, but it's a good one. That is also very Ayurvedic. I have not gotten <laughs> into that habit. I've tried, but my evening routines is people who have listened to my other solo ones. Those are always my struggles, the evening routine of finding. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it, for me, a lot of it's the seasonal, like this, I really am in tune with the seasons and I'm totally in a weird funk with summer and my morning routine. Usually my morning routines are rock solid, but as we're recording this, we're at the end of summer and I'm like, Oof, I can't wait till fall till my son's back in school and it's more of a routine for us. And then I can feel more in my routine. Otherwise it is yeah. it's challenging. This is the first year I've had difficulty in the summer in particular, but I'm like, okay, all yeah. right, I'm ready for school to start and back to our routines. Yeah. I think this has been a tough summer because, you know, with the pool of the post COVID stuff and then, That's you know, every, just everybody's in turmoil. It's, it's a lot of change. That plays a huge factor because it's the first summer stuff has been open and things are going on. So you're like, Oh, stuff to do. So probably plays a huge factor. Yeah. 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 But I let my husband, like sometimes I'll, I don't even have my headphones. I'll just, it's five minutes at the end of the day. And I, if I don't have my headphones, he gets to listen too. So 
anyway, that's I me. love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on uh, the podcast today, Donna, and sharing your wisdom. Um, it was so insightful and helpful. So thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for all you're doing too, for everybody. This is, this is a great thing. Thank you. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.